to the Drive Time News Class. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Once again, I cannot bring myself to watch the Republican National Convention, just like I could never bring myself to watch any State of the Union address or any of that. And my mom always said, it's because you can't stand lying. You just can't stand it. Well, there's so, a lot of lying. I'm get an asymmetrical lying. Which yeah, asymmetrical I lying. Just, yeah. That is where I draw the line. It's unbelievable. You hear nothing but truth from one side, nothing but lies from the other. No, I think you hear a, you hear a mix of truth and lies from one side, but nothing but lies from the other side, which yeah, I, is much worse. Yeah, I think. And in fact, lie. actually. It's the mix of truth and lies that is really worse because that's what really gets you. Well, that's what Deep Throat tells Mulder in the first episode of of X-Files. He says the best way to lie is to hide it between two truths. Nice. I'll have to go back and watch X-Files. You think it's to the test of time? I think so. I love the X-Files. I never really watched it in order. Oh, my gosh. That's what I'll maybe. Ugh, I hope you don't have to pay for it. Maybe that'll be my next. The early seasons show. are great. Yeah. The pilot Since episode's watched- fantastic. Downton Abbey, but that was kind of embarrassing. So why don't you fill us all in on RNC? Because my guess is 90% of the people who are listening right now wouldn't touch that stuff with a 10-foot pole, but would love to hear your summary. It's hard to watch. It looked a lot better for the most part than the Democrat National Convention did, but there was still some technical glitches. There was some, the words on the live stream were kind of behind the mouths. So that's always, it's hard to watch that. Sometimes the delay or, or the oh. bandwidth. Oh, like, wow. you know how if you're watching a, yeah. a dubbed in a foreign film, but it's dubbed in English language and the words yes. don't match the mouth. Oh, there was a little God. bit of that going on on the live stream anyway. I don't know about on the television. I was watching it online. But the, the themes overall that I noticed were election crisis foreshadowing. The race narrative was taken on economic comeback, the covid response alerting us to the commies to China. The China threat, which I think I cannot, that, yeah, I think okay. that that's going to continue to be a theme that we're seeing not only here but in a lot of other aspects as well. But of the speakers, Herschel Walker, I watched him. I watched Don Herschel Jr. Herschel Walker, yeah, wasn't he a USFL guy? Yeah, and he was he played for Georgia UGA. He was one of the greatest to ever play UGA. And him and Trump have been friends for thirty seven years. Trump destroyed the USFL. Deep personal friends, close friends, and he gave well, they what I thought colluded. I thought was the best speech. I oh, thought he awesome. gave his, his his speech was awesome. And uh, who else spoke? Nikki Haley spoke. Three that I focused on, Nikki Haley, Don Jr., Herschel Walker, and Trump. Trump, who's speaking every night at the convention, spoke for an hour last night. An hour. And he acted like he was going to conclude his comments like at the 20-minute mark, and then he kept going on. But it was it was very entertaining. It, was it, he reading? No. He was he was like he a rally-style riffing. He might have read some at the beginning, but it, it kind of— you didn't see teleprompters? No, I didn't see any teleprompters. Wow. And— Let's start with Don Jr.'s. Don Jr. came out really amped up. He actually was the top trend on Twitter for most of the night because people were saying that he was on cocaine, they thought. And he was really – he was talking on double speed in real time during his speech. And it was a little little too intense. He could have dialed it back a little bit. But he, he must have been nervous. He was nervous. That's what it was. He had his nerves on him. But he Aww. defended his father and he talked about the – the liberal, he, he addressed the, the liberal media and the lies and stuff like that, which. He's the one who left his wife for Kimberly Gilfield. Yes. Right? 
Ugh, yes, and she spoke also. Sick. I didn't watch hers. I can't. But she spoke also. I just don't have any tolerance for that. I know. I'm not a big. Fan. I'm not that big of a fan of her. I thought his wife was better looking, personally. But that's just my opinion. Herschel Walker. Here's some of my favorite Herschel Walker quotes. Herschel Walker and Nikki Haley combated the race narrative because Nikki Haley. I didn't even realize this. Nikki Haley is a minority. I thought she was white. <laughs> I really did. I always wonder that about myself. What am I? Yeah, I I'm no a despised idea. minority. Did I tell you I figured that out? You did. You told me that. <laughs> so Herschel Walker, he has some really good lines. He said, I watched him talking about Trump. I watched him treat janitors and waiters the same way as he treated VIP. He made them feel as though they were special because he knew that they were. I point that one out because that can sound like mere rhetoric or a friend talking for a friend. But we do know in the Epstein court documents, one of the people, one of the workers who worked there, I think it was a gardener, testified that Trump didn't never ate with the elites, that he always sat. Or not, I mean, it's only one time he was there that he sat with the workers and he talked among them. And there's some other stories where he does that, too, where he communicates among the the common man's billionaire, so to speak. I don't, and maybe that's kind of an image he's trying to trying to portray. But Herschel Walker also said that he told a story about how Herschel was taking Trump's family to Disney. And at the last minute, Trump decided to show up. And he showed up in a full suit, and there he is wearing a full business suit while riding. It's a it's a small world after all. In a teacup. <laughs> yeah, Trump in a suit and yeah. a teacup. Trump and Herschel Walker in a teacup. <laughs> oh my gosh, could Herschel Walker even fit in a teacup? He's he is jacked. He looks great too for his age. I mean, wow. he looks great anyway. How old is he? He's got to be. I would say mid fifties, maybe sixties. I'm not sure. Right. Okay. Sure. This is probably my favorite Herschel Walker line talking about the social justice issues. He says that Donald Trump shows that he cares about social justice in the black community through his actions. His actions speak louder than stickers or slogans on the back of a jersey. I love that line just because I hate the slogans on the back of the jersey. It's a horrible form of propaganda. And then he topped himself with some people don't like Donald Trump's style, the way he knocks down obstacles that get in his way of his goals. People on the opposing team didn't like when I ran over them either, but that's how you get the job done. It was a nice little, it was a very good speech for him. I'm sure he had help writing it, but it fit his brand and he delivered it well. It was my favorite speech of the evening. And he probably means it. I mean, if he was friends with them, I thought he was genuine. Yeah. No, I think Jess Zucker kind of transformed Trump after his four bankruptcies and who knows? He owed Soros, he owed Rothschild. I mean, he had to compromise, is my guess. So Trump's speech is very interesting. His opener was great. He opened with everybody was chanting four more years. Whoever was there, it wasn't virtual. Like, well, it was virtual, <laughs> but there was some people there. People chanting four more years. Trump walks in and goes, "You really want to drive him crazy? Chant twelve more years." <laughs> <laughs> he did not. That say was his that. opening line. That is fantastic. It was hilarious. Oh my gosh, that is it's a great perfect. opener. Great That's opener. Fanta- I wonder who his writers are. He might. He delivered that. That one, that one seemed like it was off yeah, the cuff. That was pretty heart. good. Wow, off the cuff. Wow, that's great. Then he did. He did this thing he does where he he speaks vaguely, but you know what he's talking about. He spe- he says enough. Well, but you think you, you know, know what, what he's, he's trying about. to make you think. He yeah. he was warning about the mail in. He briefly warned about the mail in yeah. election stuff. He was saying stuff like. 
You can see it happening right now. They'll blame it on the post office. You can see them setting it up. Of we course. have to be very, very careful. We have to be very careful. They're gonna, they're <laughs> gonna try and blame it on the, on the post. So he's, oh my god, foreshadowing. He's telling us what's gonna happen. That it's gonna be in dispute, and they're gonna blame it on the post office. And then right. he went, went on to describe why mail-in voting can be a problem. And he gives examples that are legit examples. The vote harvesting. He talks specifically about the voter harvesting and how they're trying to legalize voter harvesting. And all of this stuff is true that he was saying about that. Absolutely. Now, they'll take the vague stuff when he's when he's uh, speaking quickly and kind of going on these. He starts on one topic, goes around, comes back. And that's where they can find a lot of the lies and the antidotes and stuff that he and, and his asides because he likes to make funny asides. I think that's they fact check the funny asides, the humor. Yes, yes, because sarcasm yeah. is supposed to be taken seriously. Yeah. But also, at the same time, irregularities and lack of transparency in the decision making at the post office is they don't they he Trump or his team, whatever. I think it's deliberate. Never do a very good job of putting to bed any of those kind of implications because they're just feeding the dialectic. So he has to give it to these people so they can go to the mat. It's authentic. It's real. It's got data in it. And then the left, who's only watching CNN, see his guys like falling all over themselves and making mistakes and acting squirrely. And they think that they've got a handle on the truth. It's it's totally part of that whole. Yeah, thing. This is election crisis 2020. Yeah, that's part of the whole crisis that he was he's foreshadowing. And I thought it was really interesting the way that he framed that, because he did say you have to we have to watch closely. We have to watch. He's essentially on a press tour for a television show teasing what happened. The cliff hanger saying you better keep watching and tune in next week so he's telling people not only to watch the ballots that we have to watch these mail-in counting things but he's telling he's telling the viewers stay tuned america continue to stick to your televisions it was a very good job of marketing well you know that's what i think about him that no other president in history and this is why we have to have such a ridiculous over-the-top hyper stylized P.T. Barnum type is that no one could ever keep the nation gripped like they did during the campaign season throughout. the. It's been four years of edge of your seat news watching with this guy. It really has. It has been the best soap opera ever produced. Just soap opera like a daily show on and on and on with silly subtexts and personalities and sex, drugs and rock and roll or whatever. He has really that is what he is there for because everybody is just like with their jaws dropped on both sides. Like, can you believe this guy's going to lock up the pedo? The other side's like, can you believe how embarrassing this idiot is? Yeah. And both sides are completely absorbed in this drama. Absolutely. And I got a few more things I want to tell you about it right after this. What's up, guys? With such uncertainty in the world right now, the best way to have true security is by growing your own food. And Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia, they got you covered. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, chicken feed, bird feed, farm supply, everything your garden or farm needs. They even host a farmer's market on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And right now, for Propaganda Report listeners only, they're offering 10% off of all online purchases at NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. Just type in coupon code PROP, P-R-O-P, all caps, upon checkout. And if you have any questions, give them a call at 678 678- Six five three eight eight three eight. Yeah, people have been gripped, and they're going to continue to I be mean, gripped. I mean, really, for longer, since June 2015, when his inaugural, when he his first, like, his announcement that he was running was quickly followed by Kate Steinle's murder, validating his outrageous statement. Speaking of outrageous statements, he made a lot of 
obvious exaggerations last night that were just red meat for the fact checkers that, and panel discussions on CNN. For instance, he said at one point, talking about the pandemic, he said he was defending shutting it down before. He said we had to shut it down at that point. We would have had millions of people, Americans, millions of Americans dead, dead, millions oh. of Americans dead. How do we not well, shut it down? Which that is clearly an exaggeration. That would explain the cover story on today's Wall Street Journal. Lockdowns are blunt, costly tool. Yeah. And then it goes on to say how it didn't make sense. I'm dying to read you a passage of that, but I will wait. And then he goes on to talk about how the left, the liberal media, isn't covering it. He was talking about Air Force One. There's so many TVs on Air Force One, you can't escape a TV, and CNN's not airing this. And then he went on to call MSNBC. He called them MSDNC, MSDNC, which was a good line. But he did say, and something that you have pointed out, he talked about how everything was going swimmingly, and then we got hit by the plague, and the economy got destroyed. Blaming it on the coronavirus, to which... when. There were debt crises in the double digit trillions from North America to Asia and circle back to Europe. So all I mean, it was coming. It was there because of the way 2008 was handled. Right. Anyway, I've got lots and lots of stuff. So, okay, this is the last little thing here is he did say Obama was having meetings about spying on him while he was in office. And then he said Bernie is his is the best loser he's ever met. He's never seen a better loser than Bernie. He was actually appealing to Bernie voters while he was doing this. And he kind of closed it up by saying, well, I mean, he still ran it a little bit after this, but he said that they're using COVID to steal the election, to deprive Americans of a free and fair election. Well, I mean, we that is the essence of our democracy ever since 2000, for sure. This idea that, I mean, how do you get conflict in a democracy, which is meant to convince us that we're that. The people in charge are elected by us. That's the only way. So that's been the oldest thing in the book. And what was the other thing? What didn't, isn't Pompeo speaking? Oh, Pompeo (laughs) is going to speak. And there's kind of people are wondering if that's a conflict of interest or it's a violation of the Hatch Act or whatever. Because it's from a different country. Yeah. And he's in Jerusalem. Oh, oh, I don't know about the Hatch, but Logan. He's in Jerusalem right now. What I'm wondering about Pompeo speaking, I know he's not supposed to speak like this, but. The theme of China as the enemy, the case for is being built, built that China is that our enemy right now in the media. There's that little dialectic going on. But Pompeo has been going around speaking at these think tanks and other international meetings where he is laying out the case internationally. He's been doing it for a while. China is the demon. Here's why. I'm wondering if there's going to be hints of this, of him officially sort of introducing or laying the groundwork to introduce China as the official enemy and demon to Americans during his speech. I know he's not supposed to. They'll be outraged if he does. I wouldn't be surprised because at the same time, there's a tiny article in the journal that the trade agreement with China is continuing on course. We're going to make a deal with them, which, of course, the trade deals are the hub of the future world government. And it reminds me of when you read about World War II, uh, amazingly, 60 million people died. Europe itself was in the grips of murderous war and the banking flows at the top never stopped between England and Germany and everything else. So this is, I think I coined a phrase for it, if I can find it, um, that which lies above 
<laughs> so there's like a movie that which lies beneath that which lies above it's the banking it's the trade yeah. all this stuff that if you want to look at the the 3d chess analogy has of course been tainted but it's still it's still true that there is a uh layers of overarching power and the and the trade and the money and everything is above it yeah it's kind of like how parents at least the way I see these people up above the line operating, how parents put rules on their kids' bedtime and things they can and can't do. But, well, that's the world the kid operates in, but the parents never intend to obey those laws themselves. They're not going to go to I bed do it. early. Most parents. I do it. They're not going to go to bed at the same that. time their kids. They're not going to play. They're not going to not go out and pass nine o'clock. They're, they're, they know they're yeah. putting no, rules I don't do on everything them that they're going to violate. But I will say, just on that point, is that at a certain age, when your kids are teenagers, I have concluded that just bossing them around doesn't really work. You must model the behavior. Well, yeah, or you can turn them against each other so that they're... That you can divide and conquer them so you can easily that is true. oppress competitive, them. Competitive spirit will can get kids to actually act better. But... Uh, yes, I I think that kind of hypocrisy does not. I shouldn't say it's hypocrisy. There are different rules because you're a person with a fully developed brain and you have suffered the consequences, which is of you know a car accident or going broke or puking. If you're an adult, so supposedly you've learned that lesson. But I think that it is impossible for kids to think that way. They I think the behavior has to be modeled. I'm not trying to sound sanctimonious or holier than that. What a good mom she is. I'm just saying. I am just trying to impart that little kernel of truth. I think you're right. It doesn't, it, that does not work. Yeah. Not and that I, I think that that's you were what just they, making an analogy. Yeah. But. The, the, the <laughs> rules of society, they don't intend to operate by, they intend to restrict everybody. Oh else. yes. The elite are not bound by the morality. That was the quote in the Brzezinski book, but I want to read this quote from the COVID article, the wall street journal article I just referenced, and it leads somewhere relevant here. So it is that it's Greg Epp, who, uh, whom I do not, for whom I do not care. It says, despite the steep price, few policymakers, this is the, the lockdowns are blunt, costly tool. Despite the steep price, few policymakers felt they had a choice seeing the economic crisis as a side effect of the health crisis. They ordered non-essential businesses closed and told people to stay home. All without the extensive analysis of benefits and risks that usually precedes a new, says medical treatment, but policy action. And then it goes on and on about, well, they couldn't take any chances. This is the fallacy. I'm invent, I'm coining the phrase of a new fallacy, the fallacy of the precautionary principle. The precautionary principle is it's like preemptive war. We think something's bad is going to happen. So we're going to do this thing that is not within the realm of normal evidence so that we can prevent that thing from happening. And it's invalid. That's an invalid approach. And, and in this case, yeah. yeah, you can't take those kind of measures that are completely beyond any kind of legal justification to accomplish something that you don't know is really going to happen. And that this is not, there's no reason to believe that this would actually help it and not hurt it. There, there are countervailing counterbalancing factors up and down this thing. So it's a disingenuine too little, too late article. And I have something else. 
that is what people, some people were saying to begin with, and they're being called, they were called conspiracy theorists and crazy for making those claims in the beginning. Such like, as? Yeah, such as you. <laughs> but that was a point of view that wasn't allowed to be expressed in the mainstream three months ago. This is the, this is the, they make it like a scientific principle. That's the principle behind climate change, the precautionary principle. It was the, it was the uh, war, six day war of Israel. They said it was a preemptive war preemptive strike like that's against the non-aggression principle i saw that headline and i read through that article a little bit yeah just the tone of it as though oh nobody had thought of this before as though they they just came up with that nobody had mentioned that yeah it's a a cover-up and he goes on to say that we haven't had a an economic problem like this since the great depression and it hit me like a ton of bricks that the great depression which we have seen i've read many times that I think maybe it was Bernard Baruch took Winston Churchill to the floor of the stock market the day the market crashed and told him to just watch. And then people who were borrowed, it's like margin calls. They borrowed money to buy stock and then they, they had the stock just got taken away from them because they could not, it fell below the price of the debt that they had on it. So it's not even like you didn't want to sell it. You had to. And people that's when people killed themselves and rich people cleaned up, just like Rothschild supposedly cleaned up on British bonds, putting out false news about Napoleon, Napoleon's defeat. Anyway, so that's something that's probably happening right now in New York and L.A. real estate. Somebody pointed out, and I think that's not a bad idea. Deliberate crashes. Carlos Slim said his dad taught him that's how you get rich. Wait for the crash and buy, buy, buy. I always have dry powder, whatever. But it hadn't occurred to me that the whole entire Great Depression, it, it's been analyzed a million times, probably, literally. And any kind of economics from liberal to libertarian to conservative, like what the policy calls were, was it right or wrong? And I've never seen anyone say, was it deliberately extended to effect social, political and economic change? And when you look at all the stupid things they did, we were starting to come out of the recession. The, yeah, it was just a recession then right away. They, they tried to trigger one 10 years before, but Warren Harding and Calvin Coolidge may, just pushed it off. They had to get Hoover and FDR in there and FDR extended it worse, worse, worse. And what they did was they, they brought in the new deal. They brought in, uh, they changed the monetary regime. They uh, presided over the decline of the English empire and the rise of the American. And now we're going to see all that same stuff. And we're going to see the decline of the U.S. and the rise of China. We're going to see a change in the monetary regime. We're seeing that political, we're seeing more socialism. We're caused by an economic crisis, all of the same elements. And I would say it's all that back then it was probably just as deliberate. A big welcome to our latest sponsor, an avid member of the Propaganda Report community, True Hemp Science, experts in CBD with a huge variety of premium CBD from different farms and with different cannabinoid profiles all in one place. Go to truehempscience.com slash propreport for your special offer. That thought had crossed my mind, too. If a lot of this stuff seems intentional right now, the likelihood of that being the case beforehand raises the possibility of that also, I think. Yes, for sure. Uh, I So we have lots more. Which do you want to do? You want to talk some COVID or you want to talk some TikTok? Let's go with COVID. I want to tell you about this new it. robot. And then I can do, I have a deep dive into TikTok and Epstein. I think there's a parallel to some really intriguing 
international espionage that I want to talk about. So let's do it in the patron 15 because it's, okay. it's a little involved. All right. All right. Sounds good. Well, if you want to get your COVID test, you can now get it done by a robot. It's a med tech startup is trying to automate the COVID swabs that they use. Well, I looked at it. I watched a video. And the reason they're doing this is for social distancing purposes to try and protect the healthcare workers. And what the robot is, is it's like an industrial crane arm and it's kind of up in the air. And what it looks like is it looks like a giant drill with a long drill bit on it that slowly pierces deeper and deeper into your navel cavity while you sit there. Nasal, yes. Your belly button? Navel, yeah. (laughs) It tests your belly button for COVID. Do you know the nasal tests for COVID are supposedly painful? Yes, I do. And watching this... So, if you have to go that deep, is it really shedding viruses? Can't you just sneeze into a tissue? I did not know... That we had, I was looking for this thing to come out the other end because I, where did the, this was a very long swab. You've witnessed this yes, personally? This is a video. No, this is a video of this, oh. this robot pushing Yikes. like a drill, this thing into this person's face. It's just disappearing. Oh my God, into you made face. me want to puke. It is very uncomfortable to watch. And then when you, you read about this robot there, they're testing it. They're actively testing. First of all, you got to put your face into this little contraption, kind of like you're getting your eyes tested. And then you grip on yeah. these handles like you're into oh, some cool. bondage stuff or something like that. Probably Jeez. because they're jamming this drill of bit course. into your face. And the robot has no pressure sensor to know if it accidentally pushed into your flesh too far. And the worst case scenario they fear is that... The swab would be pushed through a sinus wall into the eye. Why or the does brain. it not have a sensor for that? Well, they just haven't got around to that minor That's just little a, detail. That's just a yet. fatal flaw. Oh, no, they'll get to it. You can't. Their advice, they're saying right now, it's not going to pin you against the wall. You can get up and try and run away. You got to run away from the Terminator <laughs> robot that's drilling your You're face. You're going to want to run away because it hurts even when it's doing it right. This is what could possibly go wrong. And is, yeah, that, here's that the moment. concern that was brought up is that the lack of communication with a patient, because you can't talk to a robot if it's piercing you the wrong way. You can't be like, ow, you're hurting me. It wouldn't stop. The, one of the doctors who's working on the who works with the National Health Service of the UK says that the nasal swabs are painful even when you do it yourself. And I think anyone would be extremely uncomfortable letting a machine do that. I think for me, the majority of patients, they want a human who understands what it's like to be on the other side of the swab. Not a robot. Yes. So, and who has a pain, has a pressure sensor built in. That seems like the first thing you'd want to build into that machine. Of course. It? it makes no sense. There's yeah. no safety. My dog nail clipper has a guard on it. This thing looks so painful. I hope this I mean, this is just okay. the dystopia that you're terrified of. It's like a mo- a torture scene in a movie. Well, I have I I, I have a, a couple of little COVID things. Two different people said this to me today for two different reasons. The tide turns today. Two people said that. On the tests. Yes. Two totally different people. Separate locations. Totally. One said, oh, case numbers are going down. I bet we're only weeks away from full open across the board. So this is in California. And then a patron messaged me that said the CDC is changing its recommendations for testing. So... 
since it's all, since that's where it's all coming from anyway. So they're going to say there's a reduction in cases. They keep saying cases are down. But thanks to this cliff sent it to me that I don't know when I didn't check that. I didn't think to check the date, but if the CDC changed its its testing recommendations, then of course the tests, are, the cases are going down. It's so preposterous. I mean, oh, I did want to say they're the recommending interest, testing less. Yes. And I did want to say that. So for for when I was really looking at the numbers every day, I was yet to find how the average deaths per day were exceeding in any noticeable way last year's. But I only had sketchy information. There is some aggregate information on the CDC website over the past few years. If it's more or less than last year, then if this year's more or less, they restate the crap out of those numbers as time goes by. So when I went back and looked at it, it's way up to now where they're saying we've had, I don't know, maybe 8% more deaths this year than last year. But last year was a dearth in deaths, like a dip in deaths. So I had a tweet. I've had a couple of tweets do charts like that, showing that it it is kind of regressing to the mean going backwards, which means maybe they kept old people alive a little longer just because of improving protocols that then went backwards this year, or we'll have to look towards next year to see the mean regression, regression to the mean so that you'll see that. So it's going to take some time to to get any kind of numbers that validate that. But in general, we're not seeing some, you know, piles of bodies and stuff, but I'm open to crunching any numbers or anybody wants to crunch the numbers we just got to keep, you know, if you if that is important, then let's keep an eye on it. And I assume that, you know, I do think that we're going to get that that dip. I mean, they're even kind of foreshadowing it. Trump did say last night during his talk that vaccines are going to be flooding out into the market soon, flooding out. Oh, I'm very worried about the kids. There was an article in the journal today that said, and I predicted this from day one long-term impact on health from COVID, even if you were asymptomatic. And since kids were not being tested, we're assuming that these two things, and it's it's not cool. The one thing, yes, could be, is something that can happen from a cold is inflammation of the organs that can be fatal, but it's when you have a cold or short, you know, whatever. That I, That has always been true. Very, very rare, but definitely true. The other thing, a bunch of other things, loss of appetite, but specifically this uh, mild paralysis thing, that is a well-established side effect of of certainly the flu vaccine. And if they're warning us that this is coming for the kids, I am really, really worried. Speaking of which, my friend JJ very kindly pointed out to me, which I should have looked at myself, that the syndrome that is caused by the flu vaccine is called Guillaume-Barré, which is what it looks like, but I didn't know people really pronounced it in the French way. So it's Guillaume-Barré, and he also pointed out for like the 10th time, it's Savile, not Savile or Savile. Jimmy Savile? Savile. Okay. Either way, he's a disgusting individual. He's a disgusting individual. Let's just call him the disgusting individual who shall not be named not to go deep into that or anything, but I don't know how you can't look at a picture of Jimmy Savile and not say pedophile right away. But hindsight is twenty twenty, I guess they say. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather have COVID. And the and the patron fifteen 
I think I might talk about that strange little Falwell Jr. story that has Falwell. Falwell. Falwell is appropriate because he certainly had a fall. He certainly fell well. (laughs) He certainly fell. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com, your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMV, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to you guys in the patron 15 or tomorrow. Have a fantastic evening.